You're listening to In Traffic with Neil Rubenstein. I am Neil Rubenstein, and today I will be sitting in traffic talking to Grace Baldridge, host of Murder with Friends, co-host of Pop Triggered, and uh, frequent panelist of The Young Turks, uh, all YouTube uh, channels. You can find them all on YouTube, and I'm sure I will link to it in uh, the little blurb that I uh, hate writing. Uh, also, good news, uh, we are still sponsored by Cold Brew High Brew uh, Coffee Drinks. They uh, get my energy way up. They give me the jitters, and they're also delicious. And uh, we are now featured on Laughable App, which uh, is a huge honor because uh, all my favorite comedians and all my favorite podcasts are all featured on Laughable and uh, I, uh, I'm very excited to join their ranks. So you can find us on the Laughable app, uh, L-A-U-P, nope, L-A-U-G-H-A-B-L-E, uh, in the iTunes store. It's, uh, it's a really great uh, user interface. And, uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, here we go with, uh, with Grace. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. All right, then we're doing it. This is so funny. I'm very excited. When do we start? We're started. We, we're, uh, we're in it. We're in it to win it right now. Oh, my gosh. So you're actually in traffic as we speak? Uh, yeah. Well, right at the moment, no traffic, knock on wood, but I am, uh, I'm driving, which is why, like, I had, like, trouble with the app just now, and it's, like, impossible to fix because I'm driving like I, I have it's like super unsafe <laughs> to like Wait, so is this is this the sort of app that someone would use if they were trying to like catch someone in a lie where you like record these conversations like ha like yeah. we have you on tape yeah absolutely uh-huh oh my gosh I feel like I'm in you know how that always happens in like murder uh like shows where they're like she didn't realize that the cops were recording her calls, and then it's like they play back the recording of her. It sounds just like this. Yeah, it does. It sounds just like this, and uh, it, it uses this app. And also, like in the disclaimer, when you get the app, it's like you have yeah. to tell them, you have to tell them you're recording them, or we don't take any responsibility <laughs> for any of the shit that goes down. <laughs> you know, there's a story behind that too. Like, that yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Awesome shit. Yeah, totally. Like, oh, I got you on, I got you on tape, and then they get murdered by the person. <laughs> like, oh, on tape. And then the app's like, well, we sold you. We said, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, some guy in Silicon Valley is just like, not my problem, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. What uh, are you? Are you on speakerphone and or in a bathroom? I am, you are on speakerphone. I'm in my girlfriend's kitchen. Would you like me to change any of those things? Uh, you know, if you ended up with the phone just, like, in your hand. I know it's annoying to, like, hold the phone to your face, but it uh, it ends up sounding way better. But, I mean, how does it way sound? better? Does it sound better? It does. It does. But, I mean, again, it's like uh, I'm recording this through my steering wheel, uh, on an app, so <laughs> I'm gonna move to. Let me see. I'm gonna move to a chair. Let's see if this is. Does this sound better? This sounds great. This is fa- fantastic. I, I yeah, appreciate her place all is the surprisingly echoey. 
<laughs> do it for the podcast. Do it for the podcast. You're uh, you're in L.A. I am. Yeah, I'm based in Los Angeles. Where are you? I'm in New York. I'm on Long Island. Okay. So. Whoa. So you came out from uh, New York to San Diego. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was a trek. You know what? I'm still in like the learning phase. You know what I mean? I don't know what I'm supposed to do or how. Are you, how long have you been doing comedy? Uh, like five years, like with a big gap in the middle. Yeah. How long have you been doing it? Um, I think everyone has sort of a similar answer to yours. I've been doing. I've been taking it seriously for like two years. I unfortunately right. have been doing stand-up comedy for probably uh, six years, but um, God, those old sets—the ones where you like definitely record oh. and invite all your friends to, but don't ever practice. Cringeworthy, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. so cringeworthy, and they live forever on YouTube. They just yeah, because sometimes yeah. like friends of mine recorded them, and they're just terrible, like hacky jokes, and <laughs> I was so proud of them. Yo, you know what's uh, brutal is uh, I have, like, an old set from Caroline's. Like, I did a bringer at Caroline's forever ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't have, like, a YouTube channel or anything set up. So mm-hmm. I asked a friend of mine to post the video. Oh, my gosh. So they posted the video, and it's, just, it's up. Like, that's it. That's, like, I can't delete ever, it. I can't. You couldn't talk to them and be like, hey, so I'm going to need you to take that down. <laughs> or it's actually, I, I, I think it's more shameful if you say that because then it's like you, you I want to be cool enough where it's like I don't notice. Like I want to be like, yeah, I don't care, but I super care. <laughs> like whatever. Like it's all part of the process. The first time no, I ever learning. did stand-up is recorded. I don't think like, mine is. It was an act. I didn't ask anyone to do it, but it was like a poetry open mic in Kentucky, and I was gonna sing a song, and I just like forgot my guitar, so I was like, "Oh, I'll just do stand up. <laughs> like it's just so easy. I'm just gonna do stand up." <laughs> and someone recorded it, and it, I don't. It doesn't have my name on it, so I think I'm safe. But it's out there, and it's just. I, am I gonna track down that guy and be like, "Take this bullshit down"? <laughs> but they'll find it. When you are oh, yeah. <laughs> at, at the point. most critical time, at the mo- like at the point where you need it out the least, yeah, one of, yeah. One of your one of your viewers, one of your uh, something's gonna happen. Yeah, someone who comments on That's, every one of your YouTube pages is gonna find it. Is they're gonna dig it up? That's I yeah. feel like the dream. I've been like modifying what I think the dream is these days. I think the dream is like being a really like well-respected performer that, like, only other comics know, but, like, (laughs) being able to get booked and nothing more. Because you know what happened to, uh, like, Melissa Villasenor when she got booked on SNL? People, like, went through her tweets from, like, years and years ago. And, like, people would dig up old uh, Amy Schumer jokes from, like, you know, I mean, I think some of it's like from pre last comic standing, and they're just like, look at her, she's a piece of shit. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Yeah. I, I think that's like the one thing that we can all be thankful of the president for is <laughs> now when that stuff gets dug up, it's more like, all right, that was 20 years ago. But yeah, I'll put it into perspective. I mean, the leader of the yeah. free world did say like, he was nothing... grabbed by the pussy. Yeah, because nothing happened to Melissa. 
when they found that stuff. Yeah, you know? that's true. I mean, I think she put like her a Twitter on private. Yeah. yeah. But there was like a backlash and for a second, and people were like, dude, you dug it up for 20 years, no one cares. Yeah. It was, and, I felt and, so bad for her, too, because I've seen her around L.A. a little bit, and she's always been super nice. Like, I've only met her very briefly, but she's always been so incredibly kind and just really gracious. And to have this, like, big moment where you get announced to be on SNL just undercut by people yeah. that are looking to tear someone down instead of celebrating. I think she's yeah. the first Latina cast member. I could be wrong. Sure. Probably, sure, we'll say it. It's prob- true now. Probably. It. Yeah. yeah. This is the thing with uh, Kate Rich getting, like, fired or suspended without whatever for, uh, for that Baron Trump tweet. Yeah. It's like, why yeah. this girl, this woman must have worked her ass off. Like, like, we, like, only we, only this community knows how hard it is to get a job there. I know. And, you know, we and talked about that on, because um, that was like pop culture news. And so we talked about it on the, the show that I host is called Pop Trigger, and it's all about pop culture. And um, we talked about it, and it's like where I, like, I'm allowed to think that a joke is in poor taste and still be like, it's not a fireable offense. And also, yeah. I just I don't know. Like I, I, you can dislike a joke and be like, oh, I don't like that. That doesn't agree with me. I, you know, the number of like gay jokes and homophobic sets I've sat through and been like, nah, and been like, okay, it's someone's trying to be subversive and someone's making an effort to, you know, poke fun at something. It doesn't always land. But yeah, I would never be like, stop take away trying. someone's livelihood. You know what I mean? Like, like. That's how she pays her bills, and that's how she, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, did we ever find out, was it definitely tied to that tweet, the reason why she was let go? Because I wonder if there was, like, maybe there was something else going on behind the scenes, because it's so unlike uh, SNL to ditch a performer for that. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. What I, what I didn't like is that it did, it did seem it was like, look, we got angry at this thing, and it worked. She's gone. Oh. Then it just sort of, like, perpetuates a mob mentality where it's like, everyone gets mad enough. Yeah, I, that, that's uh, it's like an epidemic right now. I don't know. Um... Mm-hmm. Has it affected your comedy at all? Like, are there certain jokes that you are – or, like, are there certain topics that you are afraid to breach or, they, like, that you don't even want to touch? <laughs> I mean, I'm a pretty, like, I'm I'm actually, like, pretty clean, like, pretty, uh, I, I do some, like, racially motivated stuff, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I'm, like, pulling away from that a little bit just because, like, I, I just, I don't want, I want all audiences to like me, you know, so. Yeah. Like on, like, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm, like, super vocal anti-Trump and anti-government, mm-hmm. really, in, in general. But, mm-hmm. yeah, on the stage, I, I try to avoid uh, try to avoid the racial stuff. Uh, yeah, I, like, I, I pretty I much – yeah, I don't know. It, like, I, I pretty much um, try and keep things from, like, a personal experience standpoint but a lot of the subject matters that I'm interested in um are like I noticed this actually on the in the semifinals where uh of the yeah the San Diego thing where 
my jokes were like, it's either gay stuff, which is, and like, I love poking fun at the gay community and at myself and like the, the stereotype that I am. And then I also am really fascinated with murder. <laughs> and like, uh, and then I'm also, I made a joke about, you know, Belgium is one of four countries that have legalized euthanasia, government assisted suicide. And that's, I'm, you know, I was raised in Belgium and I identify as a Belgian American. So, um, that's another thing I talked about. And then I talked about my childhood fear of getting raped. And so like my subject matter, I wouldn't say that it's dirty, but it's definitely not like, it's really charged. Some of the things I talk about and I've noticed more and more, like people will get really serious about some things, even when I'm trying to like paint these, uh, these subjects that I have experienced in like a humorous way. They're like, even though I am joking about the very real fear I had as a child of getting raped, which is like, we should talk about that. We should talk about why young girls are aware of that at like an 11 year old age when my brother super was not. And they're like, right. no, 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 you can't even talk about it. Like, don't even, don't even make a joke. I'm like, well, we should, but you humor paints things in a way so that we can talk about it. So they are more accessible so that we can Definitely. have these discussions, but more and more it's like, no, you can't. That's an interesting thing on a on a whole nother level. Like, why is it that we? Why is it that like girls are so? Oh, I know why girls. That's not really the question. Why is it? Why is it kind of? Why is it more acceptable for a guy to make a funny rape joke than for a woman to make a funny rape joke? Oh, that's. I think I, I can kind of answer that. I think it's because it's for women, it's real. Like if a guy is um, making a rape joke, well, also I should say this. I rarely almost never hear a rape joke that I think is done well. And that's important because a lot of comics right. think they are the comic. Like a lot of comics think they're Louis CK where they can say any joke. Like Louis, one of his fam one of my favorite bits of Louis is his um, bit about nine 11. And he's the only comedian that I think could do that. And a lot of comics will see that set and be like, Oh, I can do that. And so they make these really like tasteless, immature rape jokes that are bad and don't land and actually are bad for the cause in general, which I would hope is, you know, equality of the genders. Um, right, right. But, like, we should be allowed to make fun of all topics, but really, right. it's got to be a good joke. Don't just make fun yeah, of it. Yeah, when it's done poorly, right, like, maybe the intention is good, but when it's done poorly, you're setting us all back. I think right. when a woman makes a rape joke, the reason why it's uh, it sort of like the tone in the room I've felt is very serious and kind of goes down a little bit is because it's, it's speaking from a place of um, authenticity that a lot of guys that make rape jokes don't have. Like if I'm talking about my fear of being raped when I was a kid and like my fear of sexual assault that um, persists to this day, that people know that's probably very real. And it is to an extent very true. Um, but when a guy is talking about it, it's usually a joke because they don't, it's the joke is like, they obviously have never experienced that, you know, like, well, like I wouldn't want to like be, have a dude's dick up my ass, like stupid stuff like that, where it's like, you've never truly had that sort of fear. And I think that the best humor comes out of dealing with some sort of a trauma. And usually a girl is speaking with experience about a sort of trauma that she has experienced. Um, and then a guy is just sort of, it, it's not always coming from that same place. 
Tom but that being Pierre. said, you know, there's another, uh, there's a, a comic in LA named um, Connor McSpadden who's really funny, and he does a really, he does a really good bit about being when he was molested, and that's the sort of thing that like it could take the out of the room, but it's so funny because he has experienced it, and it's his like the way that he's dealing with this trauma in a way with humor is just it's really genius. But he, but he could make that joke. I couldn't make a joke about. Like if I was molested by my cousin because I wasn't. It, like, what am I talking about? Right. I don't know. It's kind of it's a, you have to toe the line between like what can you talk about from your perspective and what can you talk about from your experience. I just see so many audiences give. Well, I guess it's a. I guess it's more of just. I guess it's more across the board than that because audiences tend to give men the benefit of the doubt on everything, uh, not just, uh, man, you know, I, all right. <laughs> so, Go for uh, it. Let's get into it. <laughs> like, sometimes I'm like, <laughs> you know, I wish I was like a woman or a black <laughs> guy or a lesbian because then, I could get the diversity check, you know, and get up on stage in this show or that show, uh, you know. But then I'm like, no, no, I'm really, really, really glad I'm white, and I don't well, want <laughs> not being a white guy on anyone. <laughs> it's, you know what? It's, <laughs> that's a really good point to bring up because I, I live with um, another comedian, uh, Jay Light, and he is a straight white guy. And we definitely talk a little bit about um, what sort of opportunities, different the, a difference in opportunities that we are given, given that I am a gay woman and that he's a straight white guy. And we're both white. And um, so in that sense, we both share a similar privilege, but then I have certain disadvantages, but sometimes they feel like advantages because I know there have been shows I've been booked on purely for diversity. And I right. don't know how that um, – sits with me like some like there are opportunities that jay will not get that i will get but then also it can it works conversely as well there are opportunities that he will go up for that i will not and um i i, I don't know really exactly how you reconcile it i think you just sort of have to um take it as they come and then try and do the best you can like with the opportunities that you're afforded and break down as many um sort of I guess discriminatory policies at different shows that you can. I don't know. I, I don't really know if it's right or wrong. My friends always tell me like if I get an opportunity because they're looking for like the gay person on the show, like, hey, here's a queer girl. Um, just to take it and do the best you can and yeah, just to do it. And hopefully going on shows where they are looking for like a diversity candidate. Um, will open up their, will broaden their horizons to, you know, keep thinking more outside the box. I don't know, Neil. I have no idea. It puts me in a weird <laughs> position because I'm sure that, like, there are opportunities that you've been, like, you know, that you have felt you got slighted for or were not given because you are a straight white guy and who needs another straight white guy? Right. Like, that, that's the thing. It's like I'll see sometimes someone who's, nowhere near as funny as I am, you know, get an opportunity. But, you know, uh, like, like if it went, okay, if it went to you, I'd be like, oh, yeah, she's hilarious. Like, there's no question about it. Or, 
Um, I, I, have a, I have a friend here, who, uh, a gay woman, who she, like, works her ass off. And so if she gets an opportunity, it's like, well, she went and got that opportunity. But then there's, like, mm-hmm. a, like a handful of just, like, regular girls locally that get some opportunities, and I'm just like, ugh. But then I remember that they have to live the rest of their life as a woman in this society. And I'm like, oh, all right, well. So, like, I guess, yeah. I, you know, they got that. But, like, I was watching, um, like, your new episode with uh, Ed Gain. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, like, you introduce these, like, two white guys. And I'm like, and as soon as you introduce them, I'm like, oh, man, I wish – I was anything but a straight white guy because then I could just have white people on my show and it wouldn't matter. And then and then they turned out to be a married couple, and I was like, God damn you, Grace. <laughs> Aren't they adorable, though? I love them so much. <laughs> like, the last – like, even when he said we're married, I was like, oh, that's a joke. That's funny. And then they were like, no, we've been married. And then, like, started talking about, like, the struggles with Prop, Prop 8. I'm like – yeah, they've been married, like, four times. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm such a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm like, I wish I could yeah. have my white friends on the show more often. No. All right. <sighs> but, yeah, like, it's you're... A, it's uh, a strange world. Yeah. I, again, like, I know as I think it that it's like, ah, you're on the wrong side of this one, buddy. Stop. Don't say that out loud. But, but, you know, what I think is it's important to recognize, and this is sort of what I, what I think a big problem in sort of, I guess, the, today's world is that, like, we have ignored – people are allowed to feel frustrated. You, Everyone is entitled to their feelings, and I think that sort of what's happened um, is that we're telling a big group of people to, like, shut up. And that's not yeah. fair either because, you know, because my community was told to shut up for a long time. And then we are and have fought for our place at the table. And a lot of times, um, you know, it, it's it's going to be sort of a – it's a weird balance of power when you have these marginalized groups speaking up for themselves. Um, and you don't want to put anyone in the position where they feel isolated and they don't feel listened to. And I think that they're like, we're looking at this, we're looking at this on these, a lot of these communities of, uh, well, straight white guys that are like, no one's listening to me anymore. What about me? And we need to include everyone. Like if we're going to progress as a society, everyone needs to hear each other. And unfortunately everyone sort of isolated themselves to their own echo chambers. So no one wants to sit down and talk because the struggles that, you know, um, you not the, the like the struggles, the frustrations that you are feeling are just as valid as the struggles that I am feeling as a gay woman, as the struggles that other people are feeling if they're um, in a uh, racial minority community. Like we have to hear all of us, and instead we just like like isolate ourselves in our little bubbles, and then no one hears anything. I just did a sort of a, a little bit of a like vlog piece thing for Pop Trigger where I'm talking about uh, Facebook arguments and my frustration with with them is that we've stopped like talking to each other and we should be able to some makes a status that you disagree with you should be able to call them up and talk about why you disagree with them instead of getting into these 
uh, Facebook wars that nobody wins and that everyone gets mad at. And, you know, and then people start calling each other names and it's very easy to call me names. And so there's so many, there's so many slurs. Uh, so, you know, we need to be able to oh, call each other up and like sit down for lunch and like break bread and just be like, where are we coming from? Because I think so much of the stuff that we see online only serves to divide us further. Cause then you can just go into your corner of the, the bubbles that you identify with. And sometimes that's okay. Like, I I live in the West Hollywood bubble. I live in a queer community, and that's really nice to be able to walk down the street and see uh, people holding, you know, same-sex couples holding hands with their kids, and I feel safe there, and that's okay. Um, I'm a, I think safe spaces are okay, but you also need to be able to break out of them and challenge and motivate and encourage each other so that we can all progress. I, I just... I agree with most of that. I just don't like I don't like lumping in all the bubbles together because your bubble is a tolerant bubble. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like there's yes, bubbles that's a good out point. There, there's bubbles out there where they don't want brown people coming by and it's like, well Yeah. Well that's not that's not the same as my bubble, <laughs> you know. It's like, <laughs> like yeah, I live in a bubble, but it's a bubble where, like, yeah, like a brown person could come in, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> like I don't care. No, that's. I think that's a fair point, and that's hard to navigate too. That's really, it's really difficult to navigate because I don't think it's fair to paint everyone with a really broad brush. Like either you are tolerant or you are not. I think that there are, there is a group of people that that um. You know, there are a lot of people when I lived in Kentucky for a year that um, – actually, that's not a good example because I was, I was mostly not out when I was in Kentucky. But I lived in North Carolina for a year, and I was, like, the first gay people that a lot of people met. And that was it, – it does a lot to break down stereotypes and preconceived notions and narratives and whatever to be like, yeah, I'm a gay person, but I also want a family. And every – like, I'm, I believe in God. I'm a Christian. That's very important to me. And, like – that breaking down those stereotypes was huge. And if I hadn't kind of gone into their bubble, then, you know, who knows how they might have, what, 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 uh, preconceived notions they might've had about gay people that would persist. Right. Right. So it's true. There are some people that like, it's worth like approaching. And then there's some people where it's like, that bubble is scary and you hate me. Like, Like, I, I just, I hear some things sometimes that I'm just like, well, we're not – you can't compare that. Like, uh, people be like, oh, for someone who's supposed to be so tolerant, you're awfully intolerant of the alt-right. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm intolerant of intolerance, yes. That's, Wait, that's that, I've seen that a lot. Yeah, like, we're, oh, we're, so, like, oh, we're supposed to take the high road. No, we took the high road. We're, on the, we're currently on the high road. People are swinging at us. We're allowed to punch back now. Like, it's not tolerance when they're telling me that they want my family wiped off of the earth. I don't have to be tolerant of that. That's where we can. Yeah, well, it gets, yeah, it gets to a point where I can be intolerant. Let me hear where you're coming from. Which members of my family? Like, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, I I see people on, like, super progressives that are like, well, let's hear them out. Well, we heard them out. We heard them out. They gave big speeches. 
They recruited a bunch of members. They slaughtered a bunch of people. We heard them out. I don't need to hear them out anymore. So we got it. What would you? So what would be your take then? Like, what's the solution from your perspective? Just to should is it is it a factor of like not let giving them a platform anymore um, in mainstream media so that they can you know spread their agenda, or is it just is it smaller than that? Is it just like ignoring them on a personal level? Well, I mean, I get uh, well. If you're asking me to solve Nazism at the moment, um, I guess <laughs> do it, solve it. Yeah, I guess it's stop, stop treating them like it's a valid opinion. You know what I mean? Like uh, not wanting Muslims in the country and wanting Muslims in the country. Okay, I don't like the argument that Muslims are dangerous for America. But mm-hmm. I guess you could make the argument, like, all right, but then once you say, well, whites are the superior race, it's like, all right, now the rest of what you say is nonsense, and I don't. I, I will, all right, Muslims in the country is a bad one because, yeah, obviously Muslims should be in the country. Uh, what's a good example? Okay, okay uh, pro-life. Mm-hmm. Uh, abortion, where life starts, all that stuff. Okay, yeah. those are valid arguments. You can make your opinions uh, voice your opinions on every at every point. You know, I, I happen to think the, it should be up to the individual. Uh, someone else mm-hmm. might be like, well, it is up to the individual, but the individual that I think it should be up to doesn't have a voice because they're in a womb. All right, uh, I get it. I, I get that. But it's not a valid opinion. It's not a valid argument to be like, oh, you know, um, only white people should exist on the planet. Uh, black people and Muslims should be destroyed. Like, look, that's not, that's not, like, I'm not having that conversation. Like, you shouldn't, we shouldn't have to listen to that conversation. The the guy, the guy with the, uh, the guy who says that uh, women are just mad because we invented the washing machine and it took away their power. Like, okay, that's not Who the fuck says that? Milo. Oh, he says that? Yeah, that's an article. I've had to tune wrote. him out. Far. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't believe in lesbians. So yeah, so it's I, like I guess okay. I'm like a unicorn to him. Yeah, so it's like, all right, dude, your valid, your opinions aren't valid. Like, if Jerry Seinfeld uh, can't go to campuses and speak, then you can't go to campuses and speak. Don't teach our kids. <laughs> like, that's not. I don't know. See, it just seems so, like an easy thing. It's such an it's such a bizarre like we live in the upside down from Stranger Things like I feel more and more <laughs> we live in the upside down because remember you know Steve Bannon who used to be the editor at Breitbart Ooh. is has the president's ear so I to an extent I think that we have to talk about these things like we they're, they're not valid they're I mean they're just not accurate points of view they're they talk, call them themselves they're alternative facts but we need to be aware of them because they are basically you know it's the right hand man to the president is the one who sort of orchestrated and perpetuated so many of these ideas um so i think it is important to what we need is we need john stewart back on the daily show um what we need <laughs> is we like more and more i feel that way where i really wish that um, we had someone to just because he was he was my my favorite news source. Unfortunately, I know he said he didn't want that to be him. He didn't want his leg. He wanted people to 
you know, to hold journalism accountable. But really, you know, I'm, I, I'm disappointed by CNN. Um, there, have, there have been a couple interviews I think they've done well and a couple of people they've held accountable. But I, I think that we just need better journalists. Um, and it's hard because they are not exactly being encouraged under the current administration. They're really – they're sort of – they're another uh, anti – I guess they're, you know, viewed, uh, portrayed as an anti-government um, conspiracy agency with all this fake news. And it, so it sucks because I feel like so many journalists are sort of disheartened when we need them to be more fired up than ever. Like when Chuck Todd was talking to Kellyanne Conway and um, she said alternative facts, you could tell he was just sort of like gobsmacked <laughs> by what she had just heard. And he, he actually laughed. He like straight up yeah. laughed at her. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, more than ever, what we need is just really awesome muckrakers um, to get to the bottom of all of this and report on what's going on, but also make the distinction that, you know, so much of what we see from the alt-right are just really um, dangerous and vitriolic statements and words against what makes this country great, which is all the diversity and all the, like, off, like it's such a fucking awesome melting pot. And I feel that so much in Los Angeles, but I realize that um, outside of New York and L.A. and large metropolitan areas, that is sort of missing in the culture of small-town America. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a huge bum out that uh, the people most vocal about keeping out Muslims is uh, the group of people who have seen or met the fewest Muslims. I know. You know, one of my best friends is Muslim. The guy I host the show with, his name is Hassan Piker. He's from Turkey, and his, like, it just makes me, like, he's, I mean, he's been very vocal about his stance against the Muslim ban, but he's just such, been such a good friend to me in my life, and it's, I know it's so trite to say, but it makes me be like, I wish I could introduce all these people to Hassan and be like, hey, here's a Muslim. <laughs> like, he's great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just, just bring him around places. Just do a tour. Uh, the, the most token Muslim. <laughs> I know. And that's, it's, that's why it's terrible. Like, I know it's the same thing as if he were to, like, you know, take me around. Like, if we were to take each other around, be like, meet a gay, yeah. meet a Muslim. This is like, gay. Here this we is go. The token tour. And we each, like, have our little, like, each of us brings one of our token friends. Terrible. <laughs> but it's like, that's what, these are the dumb ideas that we get reduced to. Because it's just, we all need, if, I, I'm such a hippie, though, Neil. Like, that's my, that's a huge thing about me. Is like, I'm just like, if we could all just have a meal together. In the desert, <laughs> around it's the true. and tell stories. It's, it's true though, because like I, uh, uh, on like Facebook, I'm just defriending people left and right. But I did a show with a comedian uh, recently, and he's like super pro Trump. And we drove like it was like a six hour drive we took together, and uh, you know he said some dumb thing that I was like, what? You're out of your mind? But like. Because we're in a car together and we're going to the same place, it wasn't like, get out of my car. It was like, no, dude, you're wrong, and this is why, and this is why you're wrong. And then he's like, well, you're only reading this kind of stuff. and this, You know what I mean? It was like a real conversation. Yeah. And was it refreshing? Going, you know, it was a little annoying because it was like, well, i got to hear this guy's <laughs> stupid stance on uh, why 
for why women shouldn't have the right to choose, but, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Walls. Have you seen the photo that's going around of uh, the, uh, there's some, like, abortion rollback, and um, it's a bunch of men. <laughs> it's just all oh, men yeah. signing this law. The whole room it's is It's so bad. bad. Oh, my God. Did you see, like, the, the Prime Minister of Sweden, I think, has, like, a whole room of women signing up. Oh, my gosh. And she sent the photo and, like, tagged our president, like, hey, this is what, <laughs> like, That's this is what I re- uh, I think it was Sweden. I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, I hope so. We, I hope yeah. <laughs> Uh, before uh, before we get too carried away, uh, can we talk about your uh, – first of all, you're, like, busy as hell. You do Pop Triggered. <laughs> you do Murder with Friends. Are you always on the Young Turks? Um, pretty much that's where – I mean, I, I've done, a, like, a BuzzFeed video here and there, but mostly, um, like, 99.9% of the time I'm at the Young Turks. Um, so that's fun. Anything? Anything I'm missing? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. I'm. This is sad. I'm like raking my brain. I'm like, do I have any big opportunities coming? No, I don't. Um. <laughs> so, so how'd you end up? Why'd you go with Murder with Friends? What was uh, the impetus in that? So, um, the producer of uh, the executive producer of Pop Trigger is named Amir Nakui, and he I had just sort of started a Pop Trigger because um, I had just like quit my office job, and I was uh, I'd done like one or two sort of guest spots on Pop Trigger because Hassan, my friend, had recommended me for the show just to give it a, a test drive because he'd seen me do stand up, and I was uh, really. Uh, excited about just like being in front of a camera because I'm an attention whore and um, I had been I had this sort of idea for a show for a long time like I talked about doing it in like a podcast form and then I was going to do it on create my own YouTube channel for it and it was going to be murder with friends and I sort of like uh, knocked it around with Amir the executive producer of the show and he um, also like really I didn't know this but he really like was into uh, true crime, and that was another interest of his. And so we clicked right away, and it took about a year to sort of get the show off the ground. Um, and we did some really terrible test shoots that I just wasn't that I was not good at all. Um, my guests were great, but I was just not any good at hosting. And then it just sort of happened. It, it's weird. You just I just found a common interest that I didn't think that many people shared. And we're still trying to find exactly, like, where our audience will fall. But it's been cool to know that um, I am not alone in this, right, in this right, fascination. Right. Um, and I know there are, are a couple really well-done uh, murder podcasts, but I've tried to stop listening to them so that there isn't too much overlap and parallel thinking. Um, but I, I like to think that, aside from, I know Rob Dyke has a, a good YouTube channel, this is sort of the first discussion show about murder on YouTube, which is understandable because usually it's very scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to leave. You had a joke about murder that very much fascinated me and had me lulzing for a while. Is that a true story? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, the details are true, and then, you know, the jokes are embellished, so... Right, uh, right, right. I, uh, my brother-in-law uh, committed committed suicide, mm-hmm. and then uh, <clears throat> my sister 
my sister remarried, and the guy she remarried was uh, the lead investigator on my brother-in-law's suicide. That's so interesting. Yeah. So that's like... That was a... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, that was just... The way that that joke evolved for me was just one of my favorite things from the competition. (laughs) Thank you very much. It's because I always uh, I try and remember from every set that I watch, like, you know, take away something that you really admired and you can learn from. And that was a joke that I because I've been trying to do more murder jokes because it's such an interest of mine. I know it's so fucked up to say, but um, I have been trying to find a way to, like, work this interest into my sets. And it's way easier said than done. And I thought you did it in such a like an artful way um, and a very it's because it, people tense up. You bring up, you know, uh, that your brother-in-law committed suicide, and then you, you know, talk about like a potential murder. That's a dark subject matter that you yeah, were yeah. able to, like, I, navigate. And I think the way that you did it was um, when you talked about like you can't talk. Basically, acknowledging what the audience was, was thinking, where it's like you can't talk about your sister's potential murder cover-up because that's how you get murdered. Yeah, yeah. Well. I, it's a good way I, so, to flip it. Like once once you bring it up, the room tenses up at like a hundred percent of the time. So there's like there's a there's a joke in there about the feeling of how tense it is. Mm-hmm. And and if the room is tense enough, then there's like built in crowd work where I can just you know, call attention to how it feels in the room. Yeah, you know, like well, yeah, that's well, good. this is how this is how family gatherings feel. Like the way you feel right now, like yeah. I have to live with that, and that cuts the tension pretty easily. And like, uh, you know, and plus, you know, I do it at the end of a ten-minute set or whatever. There's some built-in trust. Like the crowd goes, mm-hmm. like, oh, this guy's gonna tell jokes. They're gonna be funny. You know, uh, I'll go with him on this for a second. Yeah. That's so important, the placement of a joke like that. And I think that that's still something I am, like, not wrestling with, but something I'm trying to figure out because I feel as though, and I could be wrong on this, but I feel like at the top of every set I have to address that I'm gay because otherwise it's, like, they kind of wonder. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's a thing where they just need, especially, like, as a – as a, a guy goes up there, you kind of assume he's straight until until he says otherwise. Um, a girl goes up there that looks like me. It's sort of like, wait, because I don't think I'm totally obvious enough that um, you would just know. Like, it's not like I look like a, well, I mean, the Internet has told me otherwise, but I don't think I look like the most hyper butchy <laughs> dyke, but I know that I'm, like, borderline, like I'm pretty close. So I just feel like I need to address it, and then it, it sucks because I feel like I have to. Then I have to talk about being gay for the first five minutes of every set, and I would like to go into other material, but right, right. I think the, you first have to like introduce yourself. Like, here's why you should like me, and here's what you should know about me. And I think that's sort of a beginner's comic struggle, like introducing yourself. There's, like Bill Burr doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to be like, "Hello, <laughs> like, here's what you should know about me." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one day hopefully we're uh, we're all at that level. You know, we don't have to we just start talking. Uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, Ashley Gavin, she's uh, 
she's a lesbian, and she she comes out and she just says, right, I'm gay, you can stop thinking about it. Like, And it just, it gets a big laugh, and then she can do whatever she wants. Like, it's just one sentence. That's a great opener. Uh, yes, I'm gay, stop thinking about it. And then, like, we, like, we're like, okay. <laughs> okay, actually, yeah, trust I definitely need, I need some, like, a short, uh, quip something like that that I can just say and move on. Especially because when I when I want to test out newer material at mics, I hate eating up time. I mean, it's it's easier when I know the people at the mics and I don't. I, there isn't really an audience. But if I'm ever performing at a mic where there happens to be a real audience, I always want to you know try and make them laugh and make it worth their while. If they wound up at a bar that they didn't know had an open mic going on. Um, <laughs> So we'll see. That's definitely something that we're audience. I know. Have you ever been to those mics where, like, Uh, you you know that someone didn't know? (laughs) Uh, I feel so bad when you, like, sneak attack the audience at a bar. It's like, ah, the game was on a minute ago. (laughs) I know. They hate it. They hate it so much. It sucks. Like, I could take take notes for days on, on, like, a guest. But then mm-hmm. when it comes time to record, I'm driving. Like, I can't, can't look at notes. You can't do anything. Like, if I forget a question I wanted to ask you, then that's it. I forgot the question. That's just where we're at It's now. gone. I don't have it's the question. It's in smoke now. Um, I just but I killed a fly. Ask, yeah. <laughs> I did want to ask you about why you read the comments. Oh, um, yeah. I read all of them. And I what is wrong not. With you? I know, I know. Um, you know, I will say that the the viewers of Murder with Friends, which is really like my baby, we have a really great relationship, I think, because um, I'd been with the Pop Trigger channel for a while before the show started. So usually, like, I like reading those comments because usually it's very constructive feedback um, or encouragement or recommendations for a future show. Uh, pop trigger, um, sometimes I get, sometimes my opinion is wrong. Like, if we're talking about a pop culture issue, it happens that I will, you have to sort of make a snap judgment if a story breaks, and I'm going to say something that's stupid and wrong and insensitive, and I want to hear that. I want to hear from someone who might know better than I. Um, but usually they're pretty nice. The mean, the comments where they really, like, hate me for being gay is usually just the TYT main show. But that, um, Usually that's, you know, just from trolls that stop by TYT anyway just to troll them. Um, although sometimes the more constructive ones are, like, the ones that hurt the most because they thought it out. <laughs> like, I hate how Grace, and then they'll go into, like, explicit detail about a thing that I do. Or they'll just say I look like, you know, Jay Leno or Lord Farquaad or Quentin Tarantino's daughter or Ted Cruz's <laughs> lesbian daughter. Like, there's a lot. Some of these comparisons are really good. <laughs> and I think that it'd be different if I wasn't. Like once you once you bomb in front of real life people, like once you really bomb, um, comments don't hurt. Like because I've been there in real life. Like I've been heckled in real life, and that is a totally different experience and way more um, way it like sets you way more off balance than reading a comment from some person you don't know. But being heckled by a person with a face sitting six feet from you is like a different ball game. So as a, I think I have an advantage as a comedian so that the comments don't really uh, stick with me too much. 
I don't. I don't think I could do it. I know I couldn't do it. I'm. Uh, I'm amazed that you do it. Like I disable comments oh. on everything. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I don't want anyone saying nothing. Just call me fat for no reason. No. I know. I know yeah, they the appearance. The appearance, I hate when they just, like, pick on just the appearance because there's so many other things to pick on with me. Like, there are way other interesting things, but usually what I get is a big chin, uh, looks like a dude, your girlfriend will leave you for a man, um, what else? Just any, the the main thing is dyke, which I identify as, like, Outwardly, like I would say, I qualify more as like a dyke than I am a lesbian. I way prefer the term dyke. <laughs> but when they say it as like a slur, it's like, what? You haven't you clearly haven't been watching. Like, yeah, that's my name. It's practically my middle name, Grace <laughs> Dykey Baldridge. Like, but um, it's fine. It is what it is. But they do. It does suck when they focus on appearance because it's just so not constructive or original and I would like to think that if I'm going to get haters I want them to be creative yeah like step to me with the same creativity that I came to you with like I didn't just you know fill myself you know doing brushing my teeth in the morning like I wrote something and I'm interviewing guests and have a topic in mind (laughs) like you just like you just farted out your mouth and typed it onto a keyboard yeah. And also, it's just strange that so many it, it's that people are like bothered by someone being gay. Isn't that weird? Like that they'll be like, "Oh, not this lesbian." <laughs> like, why? What's that have to do with anything? My opinion's probably bad. Talk about that. Dude, that's the that's what I was talking about before. It's like, so so what? <laughs> like, who cares? It doesn't affect you at all. It doesn't affect you at all. Are you pissed? Like, are you pissed because it's one woman you can sleep with? Like, even if well, she was straight, and then they make she it very sleep with you because yeah. you're an asshole. Well, also they make it clear sometimes that like they definitely like the only reason why I'm gay is because I couldn't get a guy to have sex with me, and I'm like, yes, that's how it works. <laughs> Nailed it. That's another one. That's like what. <sighs> Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I get very, I get very frustrated. That's, I get frustrated, but then I get frustrated on the other side too. Like, well, I guess not with the with with the gay and lesbian stuff. I, there is no side that, there is no too politically correct. There, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. With the gay and lesbian thing, it's like, well, yeah, we should just be tolerant, and then. The gay and lesbian side is just like, yeah, just let us be normal. Like, we're, it's fine. Yeah, I feel like we have a re- – I, I know I'm biased, but I feel like as a community, you know, the LGBTQ community, we have a pretty solid argument where it's like, hey, we're just going to, like, we just want, like, equal rights and, yeah, we just, like, yeah we, <laughs> yeah, we want to do what you guys do and then sometimes <laughs> dance on the street. Like, yeah, right, like, if we just have, school. like, parades. <laughs> And that's it. Like, we're not asking for anything else. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, the feminist movement, sometimes I feel like I can't be – like, I could be a straight ally to the gay community, and gays are like, sick, come hang out. Like, we're going to dance tonight. Here, here's some neon. Whereas, like, 
<laughs> whereas sometimes, like, I want to be on the side of, uh, you know, women's equality, and then it's like, well, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, or stop mansplaining to me, or, you know, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. I just... Like, I just, can I help? And they're like, we don't need your help. Like, ah, all right. <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a tricky thing, too, especially because um, I identify as a feminist, um, but I also, I mean, there's no, like, I identify as a feminist, no but. Like, I don't want to be like, but here's the things I have a problem with. Like, I identify with a feminist, as a feminist, um, but I know that, like, I also, I want to tell jokes, like I said before, that are subversive, that sort of paint everything, everyday things, uh, things that we take for granted and like the struggles of women in a funny way. I want to bring people in through humor. And um, I feel like a lot of times that we're just told there's certain things like you can't even touch. If you're a feminist, like you can't even talk about the following things. You can't touch this. And um, it's, I, I think that it's okay to like critique everyone within the feminist movement. But I think it's bad when we start, like, tearing people down for trying. And the whole the whole mantra is, like, lean in. Like, let's have – let's all lean in. And I think that sometimes it feels like other feminists are pushing other people away. Where it's like, no, lean in, not you. Like, you're not doing it right. And we need to be able to say, like, hey, I didn't like how you did that without just writing, you know, three-page-long tear-down blog pieces about – uh, why you disagree with X comedian or with X public figure? We we can still critique it, but let's do it in a constructive way. And so often it's not constructive. It's just even within the feminist world there are bubbles. And you know to be a good intersectional feminist is to be flawed and to but to keep trying and to do your best and to know that you will be forgiven and to come back and you know just to. We all just need to progress together, and I'm so, I know I, I'm the biggest hippie ever for like wanting that in, at such a pure level, but it's true, and it feels like if you fail once, then you're never trusted to try again, and that's the, the very like there's just a very slim margin of error. It's like you have to be the perfect feminist, and I don't think that anyone is. Like we all slip up, we all fail. I've told terrible, you know, jokes about shit i don't know and i've probably made made tons of jokes about i love women a lot and sometimes <laughs> i've made i've made like <laughs> fuck boy jokes i know i've made fuck boy jokes and that's you know i don't know and that's that is what it is i'm not like proud of every joke i've ever told but should i stop trying should i i don't know i don't see all this stuff i like hear myself and i'm like oh shit grace they're gonna come for you <sighs> Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I'm, not, I'm not envious of your position, uh, you know. Would you identify as a feminist? I don't know, like, I'm scared to, because I'm scared of feminists being like, well, then how can you do a show with only one woman on it? Like, I don't know, because they asked me to do it, and I like stage time. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I didn't know I couldn't do yeah. that. <laughs> I know. You know like, the- the other day, someone someone posted something about Hillary Hillary Clinton being a civil rights leader, and I was mm. like, "Well, all right, I think we're you know we're pushing it on this civil rights thing." I'm like, I, "I'm like, why don't you dig deeper and find a better civil rights leader? There's they're out there." 
and they and then they were like, "Don't tell me what to do." And I was like, "Oh, well, okay." <laughs> yeah, like I, uh, as not as a man telling you to dig deeper, but as someone who really doesn't think she's a civil rights leader. Uh, there's real there's real mm-hmm. civil rights leaders <laughs> that maybe if yeah. you know if you wanted to dig deeper. I'm not telling you to as a man. I'm just, uh, all right, I'll go fuck myself. Sorry I got involved. <laughs> yeah, so, I know it's yeah. like my, my brother is, my brother is such a, like, staunch, I would say, I would probably I qualify him as, like, a social justice warrior, and I mean that in a very, I know that that's, some people have a, like a, a negative connotation with uh, calling people that, but I mean that in a very positive way. Like my brother cares so much more about like LGBTQ legislation and rights, and he pays way more attention to it than I should. Um, and he like it's like his, and he's a straight white guy, and he very much just like feels for. Uh, marginalized communities and like does his best to just educate himself and to uh, he's a, he's a big history buff too so he goes back and like looks up historical context and precedent for certain laws that have been passed and um, what how far we've gone and how far we have left to go and it's something that is really close to him and like you know gender equality and feminism is something that I don't know if he would say like oh I'm a big feminist but he super is because of just what is important to him and like what he fights for and educates himself on. And I wonder, he doesn't have a Twitter. He doesn't have Instagram. He barely, I mean, he has Facebook, but he doesn't really post, but if he were more involved in like online communities, it would really break my heart that I know that he always tries to lean in and be a good ally. And, you know, if he were to ever slip up, I think that he would get shot down so quickly that it would be so disheartening he would never try again. And having yeah. male allies is so important. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I want to be on the right side of the thing. Like I want to yeah. be on the future side of it. And yeah. And I'm not saying it happens a lot, but it happens occasionally where it's like, well, you could have told me what I was doing wrong. And I would have fixed it, but instead you made me feel like an asshole, and now fuck you, like fuck you, and uh, you know I hope your uh, your sign gets caught on fire. <laughs> your sign? Did you go to the women's march? Uh, no, I did not. It was great. I went to the one in Los Angeles, and it was such a powerful experience. Um, I actually marched next to Aaron Paul for a minute from, uh, yeah, which was like super cool. There were tons of random celebrities that you would just sort of like see them sprinkled out in the crowd. And just in general, it was such a, like looking at everyone's sign and seeing how there was so much more than just one cause that was being represented. Um, I felt like that was one day where, everyone was able to get together and really unite behind so many different causes. Like one that I thought was super interesting was there was a group of uh, scientists who were just promoting um, climate change research and uh, promoting taking care of the environment. And that was like a cause right next to uh, a woman's right to choose. And um, it was such a, like all of these super valid um 
and important causes and uh, agencies were just up, like uplifting and supporting each other. And oh, I want more of it, Neil. I want so much more of days <laughs> like that. I want so much more where everyone. It felt like everyone was being heard. Everyone was really polite. Like I know that sometimes in the media they were saying it was like an angry mob or something, um, but it was everyone was. Super polite and nice. If you couldn't see, you could just like tap someone on the shoulder, and they would, you know, step a certain direction so you could see the speakers. Um, I got to see Demi Lovato. Had a big crush on her for a while, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> it was uh, the best. I love. I'm. I. I love days like that. I uh, am very happy that it went smoothly and that there weren't you know, any problems or whatever, but mm -hmm. I really think uh, I'm really on the side of uh, violent protests. You are? I really am. Yeah, I am. So wait, so what's, what's your ideal scenario? If you were, if you were like, in uh, yeah, I don't know. organizing. Uh, well, I, you know, I don't want to get arrested, so I don't speak about it, but, uh, yeah, that's why I don't go to, like, the marches and stuff. Like, I don't go to the protests. Uh, you're big, you're yeah, anti-government. Yeah, I'm a flip a car, throw a brick kind of guy, man. Like, oh my they're, not, they're, not list, they're not listening. Like, you know, uh, I, I say we because it's our side, right? So we, mm -hmm. we organized th this massive rally. Every city across the country, even places like Lafayette, Arkansas, and or Fayetteville, Arkansas, and, you know, like, just small little places that you wouldn't think would do it. All the women are out. All the, all the men are out. And then the next day, he, like, signs a bill in spite of us, you know, and, and – and mm -hmm. we're just we're just delicate snowflakes. Well, we wouldn't be delicate snowflakes if we literally burnt down Trump Tower in every city all at once on the same day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like, well, you'd fucking listen to that. I bet he'd listen to that. Yes, and then we would be living in Mad Max. Like that would be. That is what would happen. I don't uh, know. I you're not the first I, person I I've guess, heard that has felt that way though. I just, more and more, I'm, I'm hearing more people sort of echo where you're coming from. Um, look, I'm not saying we should like, do that. <laughs> I know, I know you're not. Um, I'm not saying we should do that. I, I'm saying it's a it's louder. I, it's a louder message. Well, there are definitely some people like that at the rally too that you could just tell were like ready to go. And I was I covered. Um, the actual inauguration day protests as well. It happened in the same place in downtown LA. And um, that was a different tone. Like, so the, the women's march was one tone and then the day of the inauguration protests were decidedly different and definitely um, a little bit more, I, I, I want to say like on the offense, like I, well, I mean, the women's march was proactive as well, but it was more aggressive. Um, the the marches the day of the inauguration in Los Angeles, and there were some people that you know were kind of sounded like they were coming from where you're coming from, where they're like, let's like let's start something, and let's you know I'm sick of being peaceful. <laughs> I just uh, you know I I see. I, I mean, I hear, I hear the other side. I do. Like, yeah, like, let's keep peaceful. I get it. Yeah. 
But, uh, you know, people, I see people like on my Facebook feed are like, oh, what's, what's this accomplish? Like, well, you, you weren't listening the other way. And, like, mm. I, I don't know. It comes down to don't tell me how to feel how to feel slighted. Don't tell me how to feel uh, like I'm not being heard. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, and, and, and I know that happens. other people, yeah, and I, I know that other people can empathize with that feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it wasn't okay that Colin Kaepernick kneeled during the, during the, uh, the national anthem. But then it wasn't okay mm-hmm. that we marched this way, and it wasn't okay that we did this thing. It's like, well, well, then nothing's okay, right? So, what are you going to listen? Yeah, to? are you going to? Well, that's gonna listen? sort of the question. If not, if not now, when? And that's right. what we it, saw with it, uh, regards to Colin, Colin Kaepernick. It's like, okay, so you can't protest. Like there were Black Lives Matters protests, and then there was him peacefully kneeling by the sidelines, and both of them were wrong. So, what do you want? There's no. You know, in the face of injustice, if you do nothing, you're that's what's wrong. And yeah, there's it, no yeah, exactly. the the opposition will never think that there is a right way to peacefully protest because they don't want to hear the protest because they are the opposition. And that's what happened. And that was so it was really it was really stupid. And unfortunately I saw so like the way that they twisted it and, you know, bore out the All Lives Matter movement was so unfair and undercut an important time in our nation's history, and I hated it the most. I just, I don't, uh, yeah, that, see, that's one, that's one where I know I'm on the right side of it. I don't need anyone to tell me whether or not I am doing the right thing mm-hmm. and I don't care if when push comes to shove I'm lumped in with the wrong side because I know what's right. Like mm-hmm. if there's a race war and I get murdered for being white that's what happens. That's just what happens. But you sound like I Charles know Manson. <laughs> You know, that's what he thought was coming. He was like, a race war is coming. That's why. Well, I I think there was a race war coming, and I think Trump actually unified us a little bit because now it's like, oh, you hate everybody. All right, we're all getting in on it, you know? Whereas, Mm -hmm. like, for a minute there, it felt like – it really felt like it was coming because it was Black Lives Matters, and then it was, like, all these – just just the most ridiculous overtly racist things mm-hmm. d- defending the other side it's like no dude no you and can't would, would justify also... you can't justify cops murdering anybody by saying yeah. oh well black people are in jail a lot what what no that doesn't make you, you know right. What? That makes the system wrong. You know, it makes the uh, system yeah. so wrong. And that argument, too, is also uh, so weak because if you're pointing out the number of incarcerated African Americans, then, like, 
I mean, come on. Like, you have to look at our prison population and how it was designed to lock up black Americans. But also what shocked me about that issue particularly um, was the people who opposed or who opposed Black Lives Matter, the shocking lack of compassion in their points. And and when they do their sort of pundit think pieces and uh, sort of their talking heads on whatever news channel um, will entertain those beliefs, it's just a, it's a shocking lack of compassion and empathy for a, a marginalized community that is actively being oppressed. And there's just for a minute, just pause whatever agenda, just for a minute. And even if you come to the conclusion that you disagree with the Black Lives Matter movement, at least handle and report on the situations as they come with compassion and and uh, empathy, because, I mean, we've got to be better than what we're doing. You know, we've got to be, we have to at least, you know, we have to at least try and connect with each other on, you know, a human to human level. And that's what, you think? what has been totally erased. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, yeah. And again, like, yeah. this is one of those things where I don't mind someone being like, what, what do you know? You're a white guy. Like, I don't mind yeah, that. Yeah, same. It, whereas with, with feminism, when they're like, what well, do you know? You're a man. It's like, well, well, I'm, I'm trying to learn, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and with the Black Lives Matter thing, if it's like, well, what do you know? You're white. It's like, well, you're right. I, I have no idea what it's like. And I don't know, maybe that's sexist. Is that sexist? That like, if a black woman said, I don't know what I'm talking about, I would agree with her. But if a white woman told me, I don't know what I'm talking about, I would want to, I would want more information. I don't know. Like, no, I, I have no idea. I think, I mean, um, I, have, I think that just comes from, you know, just treating everything on like a case by case situation by situation uh, level. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Maybe I have more black friends than I have female friends. I guess that's maybe. maybe. <laughs> My default is like when I'm corrected on something, I usually assume I was totally wrong. Um, yeah, right. Like, I, I, I usually am like, yeah, definitely insensitive, super got that wrong. And then I, I try to do my best to apologize and and learn from it. It's sometimes it's hard to like swallow humble pie, but it happens often when I'm, you know, when I when I speak about pretty much anything that I am all, maybe, I'm not an authority on anything except owning a Subaru. Like that's the only thing I can be like <laughs> I know this like with absolute certainty. <laughs> I know how to listen to Melissa Etheridge. I know how to do yeah, that. Yeah, Very good at that. <laughs> I'm um, really good at getting tattoos on the fly. Like that's I'm an authority on like where to go on Yelp to get your best like best bet for a tattoo place. Uh, that's good. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, but maybe it comes. Maybe like I mean I made a joke about it, but maybe it does come down to like I have not that I have more black friends than female friends. That's ridiculous. But maybe because. The people that I'm friends with that are black, when I say something pro Black Lives Matter, my black friends are outspoken and are like, "Yeah, you you tell them, man. Thank you very much for speaking up." Whereas when I say something pro feminist, I get a lot of like, 
you're just a you know, <laughs> all right. I don't know what I'm talking about. You, you get like an eye roll. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, all think, right. I think sometimes, um, you know, there are unfortunately like really like an annoying gentlemen who will be really outspoken about being a feminist or uh, or their feminism because they think it will like land them some chicks. And I think <laughs> that sometimes like sometimes like guys in the past have done it and gone about um, being a feminist ally so poorly that all guys or not all guys, but like some guys get punished um right. for right, right. the 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 slights of others and i think that's unfair cuz i i would like to think we can just treat everyone person to person and uh hold our prejudices until you know what is it like innocent until proven guilty like come on like yeah. he's a super awesome feminist until he's just like I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a douchey yeah. remark. I'm, I'm like, no, I know you're saying. Is for pussies or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. So I don't consider myself a feminist, but like, I don't say bitch or ne- negatively, you know, I don't call a guy a pussy in a negative connotation. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't say the friend zone. Like, what, that's great. That means you're a friend. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> you know, I, I don't concept. do the things. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I will say this. Any guy that, like, advertises or talks actively about the friend zone is usually the worst. You know what I mean? Like, no yeah. guy brings it up to, like, their group of friends. Because most of my friends are, or a lot of my friends are straight men, and sometimes we'll be in conversation, and I will realize that they have forgotten they are in the presence of, like, ostensibly a woman, uh, as far as we know. Um, and and um, they'll, like, You don't have proof otherwise. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's a lot of evidence, like, 50-50, which I'm super fine. I love sort of gender-bending um, in some ways, where if people are like, well, I don't know, like, what about this? Or, like, are you the guy in the relationship? I'm like, ah, you have to sit up awake at night and think about that. Um, but they'll say things like, uh, you know, like the friend zone and they're usually like the most like insecure guys. Like what's wrong with being a friend? Like what's wrong with like, why, like the friend zone implies that like the, any interaction that you have with the girl that you find attractive should be like sexual partner. Like the friend zone is like a bad thing. Like what, what are you talking about? Like being, why is it a thing? I actually saw a thing on Facebook today. Uh, this kid Eli DeSabino, like a local open micer kid, he posted. Uh, he posted a uh, a good way to avoid being in the friend zone is only hang out with chicks that want to fuck you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, you're right. Actually, really good advice. What is wrong? Uh, but like I like I want to get like I want to get in the friend zone with gay guys like that's my goal. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I was just thinking like, with... I've been there's so many straight girls that have like friend zoned me in the past, which I'm fine with. Like, but that doesn't even consider that's not even a thing though. Like, I'm friends with straight girls, and they do not want to have sex with me. Is what is that the friend zone? Like, I don't. What like how does it work? I don't think it works with gay people. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. It's, 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 why gonna, does it, I don't know. 
right. Uh, I, I, I'm parking. I'm pulling up uh, to my location, my destination. And then Yay. I, uh, Grace, thank you so much for doing this, especially on short of notice. Course. Like, so cool. This um, is awesome. Thank you for asking me on. I'm glad we were able to. We, we covered so many serious topics. We really <laughs> got into it. Good. I'm I'm so glad. Uh, I'm glad that, like, you kind of launched into it, too. Like, it felt, uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I remember, I, I think I told you when I met you, like, I, when I watched your set, I was like, this woman is the kind of funny that I just want to be friends with her afterward. Like, I just. Oh, thanks, man. Like, you were so funny, and in such a particular way, I was like. Like I hope she finds me funny so we could be friends later. Like it, oh, it would I, just be so. Your set, your set was dope. I was really excited <laughs> when you came and talked to me after because, I, as I said, you can pull off a joke about um, thinking your sister is maybe a murderer, and I was like, that is such like that is filthy good humor. It, it would have it would have been so heartbreaking if I was like, hey, you were really good, and you were like, okay, bye. <laughs> like, uh, like, no, I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you again. Thanks for doing this. Uh, please stay in touch. I'll let you know when it's posted probably this this coming week. And, yeah, uh, awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, kick ass. I hope the best uh, best of luck and everything uh, works out. Uh, everything course, comes man. up roses for you. All, All right, man. Be good. Thank you. Thank Bye. you again. Bye. Jerk, Neil.